I am Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. And today we talk about the partner effect. And as always, we're going to try to focus in on roleplay so we can get better at it together. But we have a special for you guys. Uh, we have guests, plural. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Rob and Bailey from Ours Played Podcasts. So hey. maybe you can introduce yourself a Hello. little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm Rob, uh, one of the hosts of the Hours Played podcast. And I am Bailey, the other of the two hosts of Hours Played. <laughs> I'm so Great. excited you guys are, are here. Sorry, Chris, I just uh, stole stole your spotlight there. but It's fine. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> I was just going to ask them actually to talk a little bit, maybe do some elevator pitch of what your podcast is about and where you're about and why sure. you're here. Uh, the, I, the real simplified version is we uh, have very different tastes in games and we like playing games together. So we explore different types of cooperative games and try and break down what mechanics or what styles of games work for us based on what we're interested in. We're married. That's a good point to also to, to put here. And we're specifically married to each other. Yes, uh, I guess slightly important. Um, that's why I keep you around. Yeah, definitely, you know, part of that puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, I'm like I was saying, I'm super excited to have you guys on the show today uh, as our first guests. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's a milestone for us. And if I'm not mistaken, this is your first time guesting or having... Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. we're a relatively new podcast, so it's all very new to us. Awesome, awesome. Well, I mean, with you guys talking about your show and, and how it's about finding games that work well for, for you as a couple... Uh, and, you know, cooperation and that kind of thing. Uh, for those of you listening, you know, that got us talking about something, you know, prior to recording about what kind of topic we could discuss on the show today. And something that I think meshed really well with Bailey, Rob, Chris and I's experience playing is playing role-playing games with our partner. And what, a be what better test subjects to have than an actual married couple uh, to, to have to kind of dissect that with us. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to give some insight. Uh, we are by no means experts, um, but we'll do our best. <laughs> yeah, that's of our own experience. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a really great point. Do you guys want to talk very quickly just to the audience about your experience playing role-playing games? Like what systems, uh, sure. what things you like the most, that kind of stuff? Yeah, um, I can start. My history is slightly longer. Um, I started playing when I was, uh, started playing Dungeons and Dragons when I was in third grade. Uh, and I started with... Uh, 3.5 and played that pretty religiously with my neighborhood friends and then everyone moved away and I didn't really touch tabletop role-playing again until college where I mostly played uh, Pathfinder and then um, as part of you know everyone being stuck indoors we've been exploring uh, tabletop role-playing with our some of our closest college friends and that's gotten us all back into the hobby again. For me, it's definitely much more limited. I mean, obviously, I was hooked. I married the first GM that I ever had. Um, but I've played with Rob um, since we, we moved out. We live in Baltimore City, so probably a few years now. But it was very limited the first time we ever played. It was literally him and me. Uh, but since then, we have gotten uh, new friends into the hobby and grown that way. And I've been able to, to grow as a player, which has been fun. It's more fun, I think, when you have even more people to react to. <laughs> Makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, very happy to have you here because, I mean, our wives are cool, but not 
part of the podcast crew, I would say, right? <laughs> it's Not an elite group. group. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have you there as our, our, our test subject, like Matt said. So uh, that being said, I think we're ready to go, right? Uh, normally, we do this segment where me and Matt catch up. We're not going to put you guys through that. So we're just going to get to the to the subject, which is this partner effect, which used to, at least in my book, uh, used to be called the girlfriend effect back when it was assumed that mostly guys were playing this, which is no longer the case at all. Uh, but definitely right now it would be, it would be called a partner effect. And I think the first thing to do is kind of to, to say what, what it is in our minds. And I think I'll throw this to Matt, uh, to see like, what's the partner effect in your mind? You don't want to put our guests on the spot, Chris? So the reason I didn't put the guests on the spot (laughs) is because when we, when we, we, we're talking about this. Uh, I wasn't sure. I, I forgot to ask if they heard about it before. So maybe they didn't have uh, like a uh, preconceived concept. So I figured let's start with the boring stuff, throw sure. it to Matt, sure. and then we'll we'll ask them about their actual opinion. Fantastic. Okay. So the partner effect, you know, off the cuff, it's it's basically when you're playing in a game and that there's this conceived notion by other players that maybe there's there's some kind of different treatment going on, or the game is is for some reason different because the game master and one of the players are in a relationship. And I'll leave it at that and maybe, maybe use that as a springboard and I'll throw it off to, I'll throw it off to Bailey. Bailey, what does that resonate with you? What would you add to that definition? What I would add, I think it's the assumption that when two people are romantically or otherwise involved, they kind of you lose their individuality. So they, they have to be on the same team 100% of the time. They function as one. They can't be impartial. And if they can't be impartial, that means that they have to be um, behaving very positively towards the other. And I could definitely see how that could play out. But I think it, it shortchanges a couple of bit to the fact that they can't, they don't have their own agency in this. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, really. Yeah. How about you, Rob? What, what would you add to that? Um, so talking about, you know, our, our, notions of what this is beforehand. Um, I just want to say that I had never heard it like formally named in any way before. Um, you know, everyone talks about like the a dungeon master having favorites or anything like that, but I had never specifically seen it referenced as a, a phenomenon that occurs at the table. Um, but you guys did give us a, a good running joke at our table because now anything, some or anytime something goes Bailey's way, everyone uh, accuses me of favoritism. So <laughs> thank you. It doesn't You're help welcome. that after any time I happen to have a good role, I'll end with thanks, babe. There yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> really like butter it up, go and like give him a kiss or something. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. I, I liked some of the points you touched. I, I think there's two big things. One is favoritism as being kind of in, embedded in this concept of the partner effect. Mm-hmm. And the other one, Bailey, I, I think is really interesting is the thing of like, we're assumed to be together and not one against each other. And I think you kind of t- hit the nail on the head there because this, I think, is mainly your problem, this partner effect, when uh, the game master and the players are probably seen as a position and then you kind of have like a spy on the other team where uh, I think if, 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 we, if we assume a collaboration, something a little bit more like all everybody together um, cooperating, which is where we, we uh, gel we- well with your podcast, which is all about cooperation. Uh, I think if we assume we're all doing this together, then this thing of favoritism kind of, 
I believe falls a little bit more apart. Uh, is that kind of your experience? I'll throw that back to Bailey. I think for me, um, obviously it was very hard when it was literally just me and Rob <laughs> in our very first campaign to not have that experience. But the more I played with other people, what helps me is honestly not focusing on Rob. Love you, but there's plenty of other things happening in the game and finding ways for, for me to interact with my fellow players uh, shifts my focus away from my specific roles and are they going to make enough and trying to guess where Rob is going and being more present with my team Rob's a part of it, but so are my five or four other players that I really want to make sure I'm gelling with. And that helps me, I think, step away from my role as, as his partner and to his player. Yeah, something, something I really want to lay in into what Chris just said and, and what Bailey's alluding to here too is, is I, I think something that is important to notice, especially when you're playing with a, with a partner or if you're playing in a group and there's already a couple or what have you, you know, several people on the team that are very close. If you're, if you're the new, the, the new fish, um, if you're going into this situation, expecting there to be these background alliances or, 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 or things going on, that's not what role-playing is about. That's not what playing Dungeons and Dragons or Call of Cthulhu or any of these games ought to be. It's supposed to be a collaborative experience for everybody. So I think if, 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 if you can try to step yourself away from this idea of, oh, they, they must be in cahoots because they're, you know, they're sleeping together or whatever, that's, that's, that's kind of like negative and I think bad, a bad train of thought to, to take yeah, on. I, I agree. And I think assumptions like that at the table kind of poison the experience for everyone a little bit. Um, you know, if, if the players are all assuming that the, the GM and another player are, on a team, you know, that is setting up opposing sides and then both sides are going to butt heads and, you know, those types of things kind of just fester in a, a group of people trying to role play together and uh, re recipe for disaster. And I think what bonds like the four of us here on this call today is that our style is we prefer to be more collaborative. I, I can only assume that there's other folks who if not enjoy the tension, uh, like the drama of more of opposition in a game, but that's just not what we look for. Um, we, we like our drama to be in the position of the action and not the harmony of the players. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. And, and it's definitely something that I think right now, like you said, un unites all of us. But I kind of want to play devil's advocate here a little bit before let's we go. go into personal experience. Well, I guess let, we're already kind of there. So let's let's keep it going. Uh, I think right now, if if my wife would join my group, uh, I would not play favorite because I'm experienced enough. But I wanna I wanna say that at fir at first when when I started game mastering and I wanted to get my wife into it or even my ex into it or my partner at the moment, um, because sometimes they're not that excited because it's their first experience or second experience. Well, maybe when they roll that, let's say D&D, &D, they rolled that 12 and my DC in my head was 14. And, but it'd be cool and I can see they're excited about that roll. Maybe I'll give it to them. Uh, so I, I think this, this favoritism is also like, I, I want to say it's also you want to share something that is close to your heart. And 
like with every new player, you might give it a little bit uh, more of a gray area. Well-intentioned favoritism. <laughs> but the thing is, because you want that person, like, it's especially important for them to like, because often, well, in my experience, it was kind of a favor they would give to me to be like, okay, sure, I'll, I'll play, and you want them to be hooked. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I guess what you're saying makes a lot of sense, Chris, and, and I think I could actually see this as, like, if, if, if you will permit me a little bit of scope creep in our episode here, I, I think that kind of favoritism, especially towards new players, is per perhaps appropriate. I think it becomes a little dangerous, though, when it is your partner, and if there is already a preconceived notion that, oh, they're, they're going to play favorites, and you throw on top of that as well, because, you know, each, each party has their own dynamic. If there's already trust issues with the game master... And hopefully that that's not the case with you guys or or anybody listening. But if there is that, you know, there there is that seed of you're still trying to gain that trust. That's probably not the best thing to do because you're you're going to take yourself a few steps back. Um, I, I mean, maybe maybe what we could ask Bailey and Rob here is is that something that you guys had in your experience, Rob, when when you introduced Bailey to playing. How, how did you feel? Did you feel like you had to try to make it more fun for her so that she would stick around? Um, the first time, definitely. Uh, and it was very challenging because I had never run a, a one-player game before. Um, and honestly, I had not had a ton of experience game mastering until she and I started playing with some other friends either. Um, but yeah, as the person introducing people to a hobby and game mastering, there is a ton of pressure, whether external or internal, to... Uh, I call it being in charge of the fun. And it's the same thing that like makes me panic every Friday or Saturday night is you're in charge of making sure everyone is having a good time. Um, you know, if Bailey is the only player at the table and she's not having fun, the only other person there to blame is me. Yeah. Um, and thinking about like that, that DC fudging to, to make someone successful when they might not be, that just makes me kind of question that like, the only way to have fun or like be successful is to make that you know, be successful on that check or make that DC. Whereas I'm sure we all have experiences where the real funny moments or fun come from failing and seeing what comes from that failure. So that favoritism, though well-intentioned, is almost like robbing the player of what can make this whole experience and this whole hobby kind of fun. Definitely. And I think as far as like the player's perspective of wanting to be interested and not saying that you you I got I think I got in my head about this not that I didn't think I would enjoy it I think I was very nervous um about the the rules and the mechanics and knowing that he had spent time putting something together and um I I didn't I like I didn't think I was going to enjoy it, but I definitely was like stressed about like look at all this whole all this, these rules and sheets in front of me that I now have to learn. And this was before we used uh you know roll 20 so I have to actually roll dice and what does this one do and so it's a lot to be onboarded with um that I think definitely was in my head when we began for me where I think I really grew was when we started having other folks around um and I could then watch their first time experience um and I'm looking back at my own doing things a little bit differently getting into the role playing more because I was open enough to get over those the initial hesitations of what do I even do <laughs> Well, that's that's great, and and I think we kind of wrapped up a little bit of like uh, what I wanted to just do, kind of get out of the way, which is the difference between the partner effect and 
the effect of new players also. And I, I thank you, Rob, for saying what you said also about my example being like, uh, maybe failure is as fun as a success in, in, in certain cases. Uh, and that's something to be warned, like to be warned and to, if you're a game master and listening and you are thinking about introducing your partner, I, I think where I, I see a, a potential problem is where if you have a long lasting group, so people you've played for years and you introduce your girlfriend and then she's a girlfriend or a partner. Uh, and then you, um, you play favoritism a little bit because it's a new, maybe it's not really related to being a partner, but you give a little bit more help, a little bit more leeway. Uh, so maybe something to discuss with the rest of the group before, like, let's, let's help my partner, please. It's just a new player. But this being out of the way, I think the goal here today, at least for me, is kind of demystifying this partner effect and seeing how, at least for me, I see it more as a positive, actually, than this negative uh, connotation that's often attached to it. So I'll, I'll throw this to, um, I don't know, Matt, you haven't talked in a while, so take the floor. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> um, and actually, I, I want to talk quickly about my experience oh, yeah. as well. Um, you know, I game master for my wife. I've game mastered for her several times. She's in a reoccurring campaign, reoccurring game. I mean, it's on hiatus now because of the pandemic. But, you know, she, she's played in, in countless games with me as her game master. And I've, if anything, feel like, you know, I have a different experience with this partner effect. You know, whenever my wife is playing in a game with me, I feel like it's more challenging for me as a game master. <laughs> and not because I'm trying not to play favorites, but because she's pushing my buttons in a very particular way because I think she knows how to try to get what she wants. And I'm just, that's not how you play a role-playing game. You know, you're not going to push buttons to get what you want. Um, I love her to death, but it, it, it makes it more complicated. Um, there's a lot of other benefits and maybe we'll get to those later in the episode, as Chris mentioned. But I, I wondered, you know, it's almost like this reverse favoritism that ends up happening because of what she's doing. You know, I, I find myself getting a little bit frustrated. I find myself being a little bit shorter with her because I'm very close to her. So if she's doing something that bothers me, I'm going to be upfront with her and tell her to stop doing it. But if one of my players, my other players are doing it, I might, I might not, you know, have the, the nerve to tell them to stop doing it right away. Um, so it's, it's almost like the opposite. And I don't know if, if Bailey or Rob, you guys in your games, you had like a, a different quote unquote definition of what happens when your partner is playing in a game with you. You enter a game of negotiation with your wife constantly. That's what we're asking. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I will answer for my perspective and no, but I think, and Bailey, you, uh, you know, have kind of alluded to this, that you are comfortable playing in that like unfavorited side. You're comfortable playing in that, like, I'm not going to get preferential treatment and then really lean into the role playing side of it in that true fashion of this is what my character would do. Not because I know I'm going to get an advantage when I roll this dice, but because it's my character. I mean, it took five minutes for us to determine on what was that Saturday that a lightning bolt that I wanted to throw was going to hit at least one of my other party members 
some technical difficulties to decide that. He probably could have fudged that for me, but we I decided, nope, this is not going to work out the way that I want. I'm not trying to convince him otherwise. And I was able to roll that into my next turn and say that, you know, she didn't throw up, my character didn't throw up because she was so flustered and concerned with hurting one of her comrades that she waited to move and then do that the next round. So I think that's a, a very good real world example of us <laughs> playing that out. I could see, you know, zapping a player, be like, oh, it's Rob's fault. He's doing it yeah. because. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so I think All we're right. talking about the fact that this pre-existing relationship could have a lot of effects and could be utilized probably more mostly for by the, the player, I guess, uh, to kind of ask for favoritism a little bit or at least use what you know to get the most out of uh, out of the GM calls, but it's I'm glad to hear that for you guys it seems to not be a, a, an issue. So I think we're kind of touching on on one thing where if the partner is coming to the table, there needs to be an, an understanding of yes, you could have a special treatment, but you won't, and probably you don't even want to for the enjoyment of the game, right? Yeah, I think. Go go ahead, Rob. I was going to say, yeah, I think that fits kind of um, what we were summing up so mm -hmm. far. Um, and then I lost my train of thought. So, <laughs> Matt, I'm going to pass it back to you while I try and recover that. <laughs> so, so that's good. Well, I, I was going to move along into kind of some of the benefits, you know. So we, we have a little list, but it's not too detailed. And I figured we could kind of go through that and kind of discuss the things, the perks, and the, the benefits of having a close relationship with two people within, you know, the gaming party, including the game master. Um, and I'll, I'll start by throwing, throwing the bone, I guess, to back to Rob, see if you, you know, you've collected your thoughts and one of the perks and benefits that you see about playing games with, with your wife. Um, yeah. So this was, uh, I think different than what I was trying to touch on before, but, um, I have, you know, brought it up. I am extremely introverted and I, uh, do not like being the center of attention and, uh, you know, as we talk about a lot on our show, we have very complimentary personalities where Bailey is very, like, bubbly and energetic and talkative, and um, not that she, like, you know, takes over or, like, fills my weaknesses, but it's it's good to have someone there who I'm comfortable with and who will um, help, like, bring up that level of energy when I'm feeling too in my own head. So she, um, even though she's not always in the know of what's happening behind the, the Dungeon Master screen or whatever, even though she's usually sitting behind me technically when we play. Um, <laughs> she is able to like support me um, and help me kind of come out of my shell because she makes me feel comfortable while we're, we're all playing at a table, even though she's not the only one there. I'm gonna cry, that's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't your vows, right? Uh, of course, yeah. <laughs> Our vows were mostly Dungeons and Dragons for <laughs> And I would I was not allowed my the one reference got vetoed out, out of mine. Okay. <laughs> That's I'm why they have vowel it. renewals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Matt, Matt, you're you're getting a lot of good glimpse of our listeners into your. <laughs> oh no, I love my wife to death. This is. Does, does she listen to the episode? Is she? No, no she she thing? definitely doesn't listen to anything that we produce. Unfortunately, um, she she's supportive in her own way. That's good. <laughs> but but let's come back. So so basically, having a, a hype person at the table, right? Someone who knows you enough to know when to. Like you said, compliment. That that's that's a cool uh, 
a, a cool um, a boon of having uh, your wife there. Yeah, and Bailey, you might be able to speak to your role in that uh, a little bit better, but I would say it happens both actively and passively. You can definitely uh, pick things up in a moment where I'm feeling less sure of myself, but then also like there's just the passive effect of we've known each other for closing in on a decade now, and I'm okay coming out of my shell and being a little bit goofier just when you are around. So when those moments call for it, it's like, whatever, who am I? I'm not trying to impress anyone, so... And I mean, at this point, you've known basically everyone at our table for the same amount of time since we all met the same year and we all yeah. started college. But no, I, I think that definitely makes a, a lot of sense as far as my role as the hype person. From my perspective, um, because you don't give me, you know, uh, not even an, like an outline even of what's coming the next week, which is exciting for me. I can tell when when you're excited about it. And that's how I know when things are important uh, because you'll, you know, I'll be sitting at a table and like doing a little happy dance, uh, you know, of just like, wait till you see what's coming later. Stop looking. Um, and that's how I know that, you know, we're gonna, he's excited for what's coming ahead. And I want to be able to uh, support him in his enjoyment of it as well. Since I know, um, you know, Rob's first love with role-playing games is being a player. And since he is, you know, taking on the responsibility of being a GM, I want that to still be enjoyable for him. And I'm not going to take words out of your mouth. You might get to it at some point, Rob, but I think you've learned to make that, uh, you know, your own since it was a newer experience for you. But I will have fun knowing that you're, you've created something um, that you're excited about and you want to share it, not just with me, but other people we've known for so long who were also new to this game. Um, I want to see that it lands. I appreciate I, I that. <laughs> I wonder, Bailey, um, does Rob ever tell you, like, okay, in the upcoming game, it's going to get real serious. I need you to to be serious, or like, like, does he lean in on that hype man uh, persona that you you develop or that you you support in by also requesting that you 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 enter a game with a certain expectation? I think it's less formal than that. I don't even get like a you know. Uh, it's not like getting the script ahead of a time that you're going to be yeah. shooting a soap opera. It's more like, um, I think the technical aspects come first. I think uh, what I get more of is I want to try running combat in this new way, or I'm going to change up the ways in which we're going to do travel this time. Um, and maybe he'd explain the technical pieces to me, but I don't know where we're going. I don't, I've certainly not seen the map for I've been ordered out of the room to not look at it. Uh, and so I get a little more of a preview on the mechanics, um, but even that I can't fully experience until I'm experiencing it. Um, and so what I hear from all that information is uh, he is, this is still an active creative process. He's clearly still enjoying it because he's trying something new and it's to enhance his and, you know, our party's experience. Those are all good signs to me uh, whenever he is uh, wanting to share those pieces. It means he's still having fun with it, which is what I want. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm wondering because I, I never did that with, with my wife either, but I'm wondering if I should have or if I should. And Chris, maybe I'll, I'll pass the ball to you. Do you think that that would ruin her enjoyment of the game or or would she obviously you and you can't speak for her but I, i'm just kind of mm -hmm. i'm wondering like actually sometimes... i'm gonna i'm gonna change the question a little bit okay i thought you were doing that to be fair i thought i thought you were okay. you were prepping her for uh, a little bit because i mean she's again more of a, a i want to put it new player i mean it's not a new player but like 
newer player, especially in that like heavy role play kind of way of playing it. Uh, and like she said it herself, even when yeah. we were in session zero, right? Uh, I thought you were giving her not like, oh, there's going to be a big crab man there. No, but I thought you were giving her of like, today I'm going serious. So please don't goof around too much. You know, I, I was expecting that kind of setup. Uh, I definitely wasn't. But where, where the coaching came in, it was usually with player to player interaction. So if, yeah. you know, she'd come to me and say, you know, I'm finding my role play getting stale with this other character. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to make my character's interaction and relationship with, you know, with, with the, the shaman of the team. I, I, I want a new layer. Help me kind of suss that out. So I would, I would kind of coach her through that and, and ask her a bunch of probing questions and, and kind of get her to that next iteration of role play. That's interesting because I definitely saw that, especially for her, like big, big uh, jumps mm -hmm. of how like developed her character was. And then she would use like specific events and I could see that there was some working together there. So I'm going to ask, uh, let's go with Bailey here. I'm going to ask Bailey, like, do you do that? Like, I know you're probably more immersed in the world that some other players, because you're with the game master, but do you find yourself, because he's probably talking about it a little bit, maybe reflecting more on your character than you would and then asking him for feedback? I definitely do that now. Um, the game that we're playing now, we've done for almost a year. So I've had that amount of time with the same character and I've seen, first it was, to give you some background, this was a very different character than what I usually go to, not just in role playing, but in video games and board games as well. I prefer, I mean, this is a podcast that so people can't tell, um, but I prefer like big, beefy, barbarian, smash, giant men in my, my characters. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to be something new, do something new. And that's one of the best things about Rob was, you know, challenging me to take a different character. So my character this time is she's like Luna Lovegood and Harry Potter, kind of spacey, druid, earth mother. Uh, and so I had to learn mechanically, you know, not having as much HP as I used to like to have um, and <laughs> learning how to do spells. And so talking with Rob about what that was going to look like, um, you know, trying to understand my prepped spell book, which I'm still very close to being able to get uh, with the daily preparations or exactly um, that as you were describing of, I feel like the past few sessions, I haven't had as many moments where I could um, really get, you know, her name is Corey, Corey's personality out in the way that I want. Um, and, I hope that I'm I'm positioning this as don't create those moments for me, but help me find those moments in what's already there. And I think that has helped me find the little moments when maybe she's not the center of what's going on um, that I can infuse little bits of role playing. And we'll, you know, we take, it's quarantine, take long walks to walk our dog. This is when, mostly when this is happening, up and down around the trails around our house and having these conversations. <laughs> That's cool. that's really cool. Um, I, I wonder, Rob, are there other moments, or, or could you explain that coaching, if we want to call it that? You know, could you explain that coaching process a little bit more? And are there other things that you touch on uh, when you have those those like out of game conversations? And I'd be also curious, like, does it affect your your prep sometimes? Um, yeah. So I I try and do prep light. Um, I'm a I usually try my best to follow the players and. Um, you know, whatever they are interested in, that's kind of what we pursue. 
the like planner in me does require some prep. So these conversations that we have about her character give me one way uh, to kind of understand where at least one player at the table is at. And I don't know, you know, the overarching perspective on this, but a lot of the players have started um, since we've been in this campaign for a long time. They do just text me out of the blue and say like, hey, I'm thinking about something like this for my character. And so once I have, you know, everyone's individual input, I can throw it all together. And that's where some of the coaching, like if Bailey's saying she wants to try X or Y with her character and another player at the table is saying they want to try something else with their character, I can almost, you know, connect them together without either one of them knowing it. And where I find the value in that as the game master is that it takes a little bit of the pressure off me to create new and interesting PC number... 1000 who's gonna you know befriend the party and be the one who's gonna ask them all these hard-hitting questions i think a lot of the the good role play is now happening between the characters themselves and and having uh bailey at the table and being able to talk to her while we're walking the dog gives me that that jumping off point to set up those those player interactions what about you matt how do you how do you go with that does that reflect a little bit what you're going through yeah, I, I mean, I, the coaching, like I mentioned before, is, is very much, is, is usually very roleplay heavy. I, I've seen my wife grow quite significantly in the types of characters that she likes to play. She, she used to have very specific archetypes that she wanted to play, often with very little gray morality in them. There was usually like yes or no and like good and bad and, and nothing in between. And, and I feel like the more she's played and the more she's been able to have those conversations with me, the more she's been able to develop her role play and really explore different depths in her characters. And, and I, I, for some reason, as we're talking about this, guys, I can't help but think like, <laughs> it's going to come out funny, but all players in a game should like strive to be as involved as the partner is with their game master. Because if they do, then they can all kind of Everybody can benefit from this, you know, quote unquote, partnership between the game master and the players. I, I think the more we talk about it, the more it becomes apparent that because how close a couple might be, the player and the game master, without revealing any of the game, will just share with one another. And, and honestly, if players share, and we talked about this in one of our episodes, Chris, you know, if players develop objectives, they share those desires and motivations with the game master. It, it just feeds into the overarching plot and the, the world that the game master was kind of manipulating in the back end. Yeah, and um, you're touching on something like this sharing in the episode we talked about. We, we kind of uh, formulate, uh, formatted it more about uh, almost like trust. Do you trust your game master? And we like establish the levels of trust. And that might be one of the reasons why it's so easy for partners to kind of go directly to like the highest kind of level of trust right away mm -hmm. of sharing what is appropriate to share. And as much of it, basically like Bailey's sharing her plans, even though she doesn't really want Rob to adjust the story for that. Just like, here's what I'm thinking. Am I, am I is that a good thing or should I add something to it? So, that, so that's cool. And, and I like the fact that we're talking. For, for me, game mastering is a lot of coaching. And that might be, um, I mean, I see you say yes, so that's good. Uh, but like, I feel like that might be controversial for some people. Uh, so I think we're kind of assuming there's a coaching there. And we're also assuming that the partner with the most experience is game mastering. 
which is probably not always the case. I don't know if, if uh, Bailey has an idea of maybe one day game mastering, but I think this partner effect would definitely have a different uh, effect. Do you, I mean, do you think that maybe the amount of coaching changes with experience? I mean, I like the, at our table, uh, most of the people that we were, are playing with were new to the hobby so I feel like maybe coaching is more at our table whereas it, you know it sounds like you guys have been sticking with a, a similar group or a consistent group for a while now do you feel like that coaching has declined over time or do you think that it's even important that it declines or is it actually something good that should you know continue no regardless of experience that's a good question I, I think it's like in sports it, the, the coach doesn't it doesn't mean because you're coached that you're better than your the people you're coaching, especially at higher level of sports. So for me, I think at my table, and I'll and I'll uh, throw it at Matt after at his table. But for me, the the reason I say I coach at my table is not to say that oh they need to get better at anything. It's more they need to get used to the way I do it, and and we need to like for us, and that's kind of what created this podcast almost like me and Matt's and some other players talking after the game of like, what's the direction? Do we want more role play? Yes, we do. Okay, how are we gonna get to the point where we're, we're... so so I I think that in my game, I act more as a coach in the sense that I, I organize our evolution, if that makes sense. Yeah. What about you, Matt? Yeah, no, I, I like, I, I don't wanna echo everything you're saying, but I, like, I, I agree with everything you're saying. So an effort of saving time, I, th I think, yes. Uh, it's also like a sounding board. Like it's almost become a forum where all the players will just spitball their ideas to improve certain elements of the game. And then we can take that as like a, another layer of abstraction, right? It's always easier when you're not the person role-playing to pay attention, sit back and be like, oh, you know what? You probably should have, you should have taken this opportunity and, and oh, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have said that or, or maybe sit on that little bit of information to bring it out later and it would have been better because you're not, the spotlight's not on you. When the spotlight's on you, you, you maybe get a little nervous, maybe you get so focused in on what you're doing that you make a small mistake. So it, it just becomes like this forum to, to share ideas more than anything. Um, but also the coaching goes in the other way, like the players might kind of coach also the game master. But I think let's get away a little bit of this coaching idea. And uh, one thing I wanted to, 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 to talk to you about is we were talking about like, oh, you maybe talk about your game more than with other players. And I think we can assume that's the case, right? You spend more time together, especially in confinement. Um, I think one <laughs> of the big thing is, <laughs> what are you laughing at? Now? No, I'm just, I'm seeing where this is going. Keep going, keep talking. I was, <laughs> I was, I was going to say like, Talking about the same world uh, over and over again, kind of, I expect, give you more of this lore and world immersion. Because in my own experience, I'll put that put it that way, my wife doesn't even play in the Warhammer game. And she learned a lot about Warhammer in the last three years. And now she knows a lot about it just from uh, osmosis, is that the term? <laughs> so, um, so I'll throw you at, um, I don't know, who, who wants to take this one? But lore and world immersion and... Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll take this. Um, you know, we, we are playing in a homebrew campaign setting at our table. Um, and I actually, so I created it as, like, the tagline of it is a generic world for the beginning fantasy role player. Like, 
it is, it started out in my head as the very basic, like there's some fantasy races and there's, you know, orcs and goblins and there's towns that you're going to visit. And it's very, very basic. But then as we actually started using it and playing it, and as the players started helping build the world at the table, because that's something I like to do is like, if we need, uh, I'm thinking back to our last session, we needed the name of a drug and I don't have like tables of drugs that exist in this world. You don't? Not yet, but <laughs> it's it's all coming together as the players are helping me build it. I just threw it out to the table and someone came up with a name and we talked about how you use it and what the effects of it are. And now it's, you know, written in stone. Um, that being said, like when we sat down to get people into the hobby, I knew a surefire way to lose their interest was sit down for the first session and say, like, here's my world and then talk at them for an hour. Like I knew that was going to kill the fun. And so we didn't really talk about the world. And sometimes that's led to misunderstandings about the world or people not knowing certain pieces of information. And sure, there's times on the fly where you just have to ask, like, would my character know about this god or this creature or that kind of stuff, just because they the world isn't always fleshed out enough for everyone to know. Um, but the, the long story there is... Bailey does hear the most of it because something that I do when we're not playing is just tinker with the world in the background. So I'm thinking about the history and uh, events that shape the world. And so if we're on a walk uh, with the dog and we're talking fantasy or talking role-playing, talking about what's going on in our campaign, sometimes I'll bring up the things that are happening or that I'm building about the world in my head. So she probably of anyone at the table knows the most about the world. Um, just because she hears me talk about it the most. And that can be helpful, uh, again, trying to bring this back to the partner effect or what are the, you know, the boons or uh, problems with having a partner at the table. She can help the other players at the table get on that same level. Or if she has heard me talk about something that she knows might be important, um, you know, kind of explain it to the group without me having to do an exposition dump um, where people just have to listen to me talk about my imagination. <laughs> Yeah, I think where, yeah, where I see that actually play out is when we're having an interaction with an NPC and I'm doing the separation of, okay, my character wouldn't react to this this way, but I know the, I've been paying attention more to the origin of this other character. And so I'll tap one of our friends and be like, actually, this sounds like something, or this sounds like a great question for this person, because this person's going to be able to have a better interaction out of this than my character would. And as a player, I want to see that interaction happen, and I don't have to be the one having it to get that enjoyment. That's really, that's really cool. And I, I'm happy to hear that I'm not the only one that talks to, talks about my partner about like the, the the species of palm tree that would be on the island or whatever. I, I, I think I, I'm going to do a little story time, but I spent about half an hour. I remember about half an hour the other day when I was trying to determine like, there's going to be like a lagoon and there was going to be like different flora and fauna and stuff like this. And I kept asking my wife, I'm like, Christina, like, should, should I put like big palm trees or should I put like little boars running around? Like, would that be like, would that be natural? And then we went on this tangent where we like looked up real world, like geographic climate zones to figure out what kind of plants would grow there. And then I'm like, man, she now knows all of this and she's going to be able to like get this visual. Like, I don't even have to explain the environment because she now knows and is so immersed in it. And it, it it's definitely a benefit, right? Because if you can transport just one person to the world that you're playing in, 
with very little effort, I think it, it bleeds out to the other characters. It bleeds out to the other players. And I, I don't know if, if Bailey, if this is something that you've tried doing or if Rob, this is something that you've, you've asked Bailey to, to help you do. And I don't know if it's appropriate for partners to ask. So I, I'll, I'll throw all those questions out and see if, if one of you wants to answer. Maybe I'll start, I'll start with Chris because you haven't said a whole lot lately. Do you think it's appropriate for, for uh, a game master to do that with one player and to kind of ask them to help transport people to that space? Uh, first, if if spending that amount of time looking at like jungle things with you is not love, I don't know what is. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I was I was going to say I, I think in my own experience I've I've seen you do this and uh, it's actually helped because sometimes there would be a gap between games and because your world is your own and we don't really know about it. Often when we would come back to the table, I, me and some of the other two players that are not your wife. Uh, I think sometimes we'd feel disconnected with the previous game where your wife wouldn't because she would like right away, she'd be the one picking up and like moving forward. We would like, yeah, we were in this cave and we were doing this, blah, 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 because it's been like on top of our mind because probably you talked to her about it. Mm -hmm. So is it okay? I enjoyed it. I enjoy having one of the players who she doesn't really take more notes. She just more into the immersed in everything that's going on. It, it helps me as a player getting back into it uh, faster. So again, is that favoritism? Uh, I mean, I'm sure that if I wanted to talk about jungle uh, with you, you, you would happily like do it. Oh yeah. So I, 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 I mean, we talked, I think we talked enough about role playing games <laughs> together, but, but like what I'm saying is it's not really favoritism if it's open for everybody. Like it's, it's not specific. Like, the limit is where they can actually, make actions with those information that are allowed. So if you tell her like, oh, there's going to be a, a waterfall and then the situation's like, where's the waterfall? Because she wants to use it for something. Well, that obviously becomes an issue, but mm -hmm. uh, otherwise I don't see it as a problem, but I'll throw this uh, at Bailey. Maybe everything that Matt said about like, this question, I'll just send it back to you. Yeah, I think what we're talking about, at least what I'm hearing is like a conversation around ownership of the pieces of the game um, and the partner, if the GM is the other half of that partner, um, partnership has an opportunity to, to hear a lot of this information firsthand is what we're talking about is that this person, the GM's excited, they're gonna be talking about it, you're the one that's right there. Um, but I think other players can find ways of taking similar ownership over to over pieces of the world. And maybe this is just how we play Rob, but I remember the very first time it, it like clicked in my head for me uh, of how you wanted to run your table was after some session, maybe it was a long time ago, but a different group. And I, you ended up showing me how little notes you had taken in preparation for that session. I was shocked because of how rich of an experience it was. I thought he had mapped out everything. And that's when I realized literally he was changing things depending upon how we were acting and choices that we made and when I realized oh I'm not just a um might be obvious I did theater as a kid I'm not reading a script that he's already mapped out 
I do have agency in this. My decisions matter. I then realized I actually have an active role in shaping where this is going to go. This is a piece of this that I own. It's, it's his world, but now I own this. And as the partner, maybe I get to see a little more of that upfront because I see the, the play in between the sessions. But the moments that have been really exciting for me as a player is watching our friends take those pieces um, in developing their character, in um, having like just a really cool moment in combat because they remembered some interaction that they had had weeks before. Uh, it, it's their way of saying, this is mine uh, and I have a piece of this. And that's that's what I think allows us to each get the benefits of what uh, you know a partner effect can have, but shared more equally outside the relationship. So I know we, we've been talking a lot of good about the partner effect, but this has me like the time between session and the, the possibility for the partner to hear more of it. That has me thinking about like a potential downside and, and something that I, um, I might see in like my own situation is at the start of a session, you know, we do a quick recap about what we did last week and um, everything just to get it back on everyone's mind before we get started. And I'm wondering now if, because I spend time throughout the week talking about it with Bailey, if it really is fresher for us, and then the like two minute recap that I do so that we can get started and then you know get the most out of our playtime is actually doing a disservice to the other players because it isn't as fresh for them. They haven't been hearing about it all week, um, and I don't I don't know if you know maybe that's just table specific or maybe they we haven't honestly talked about it. I don't know if that uh, that little quick re or recap is enough, um, but I'm seeing that it's probably shorter because Bailey and I are steeped in it all week. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that you could consider asking your table, I guess. Um, I know there's all kinds of different opinions too on doing the, the you know, the, the pre-game or last week on D&D recap, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, I've heard some people say it should never be the game master's role. It should always be a player and like you alternate players or it should always be the same player or it should always be, uh, you know, everybody has a sentence or something. Like there's all kinds of different ways to do it. I, I don't know if you've experimented with that, Rob, but that, that could be one way to see if, you know, if one person goes off and they're talking for 10 minutes, then maybe, yeah, maybe your assumptions were right. But if they're making them even shorter, <laughs> then your two minute recap is probably fine. Yeah, and that probably just boils down to most things uh, at, at tables is communication. I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. something that we need to ask each other and just get on the same page. But just thought I'd, I'd point out the potential downside. Yeah, and I'm happy you talk about downsides because, I mean, one of the downsides that I've seen is that I, I used to use my wife as a sounding board for everything. Like, even if she didn't want to hear it, most times she'd be, you know, she'd play a pretty important role in... The narrative like it, i would i would pitch a couple ideas and she say oh you know what did you consider linking this and this together and you could have taken it this other way or oh have you considered this motivation for the big bad that maybe you overlooked and like oh yeah you know that's a fantastic motivation i'm going to throw that in and that's going to influence his actions moving forward obviously when my wife is a player in my game i now lost that sounding board um because it, it you know it wouldn't be fair for her fun and it would be fair for the other players for me to share that kind of stuff with her so th that's actually something that i still haven't figured out i haven't i kind of haven't solved that problem uh because there's nobody that's as accessible to me as my wife to have those conversations with so i don't know if that's something that you know chris rob you've experienced when you've been game mastering um for for your for your significant other 
Uh, I don't really have a comparison point. I haven't game mastered in a game that she is not in. So uh, I'm going right. to throw it back to, to Chris, um, and maybe you can offer some more insight. I no longer ask my wife to be part of my games because I value her opinion out of the game so much. It's, it's to this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because because uh, like we, I, I had her in, in many games, and the, she's having more fun with me telling her about all my like this villain is related to this guy and this is this is something I have in the back burner and blah, blah, and oh you know this thing that happened yet and she knows everything that happened. I mean I think in the and Matt you can can probably vouch the the truth of what I'm about to say, but like at the beginning she was so much more knowledgeable about even some of the characters and uh, some of the play not player characters I'll say uh, that sometimes she would like she would give spoilers, but like not things she knows, just like she would link things and be offering solutions because she was passing. And now we have a rule of like, you don't say anything because that's <laughs> like it happens twice. And no, no, you don't say anything. But the thing is I do the wrap up often with her. This is what happened. Like she's now, she, it's almost like a story time for her. It's like after the game, she doesn't really like spend her evening listening to us. But like after the game, she's like, so how does it, how did it go? Like, how long was, like, where did you get to? Uh, did it happen the way you wanted? So I can do almost like a men the mental exercise of, of this wrap up with her. And then she'll be like, oh, this is cool. Uh, oh, this changed. Uh, how is it going to affect your plans? And now uh, there's no way she can be in that campaign. There's absolutely no way. She knows too much about what's behind. And even once uh, Matt had to leave or was uh, arriving late, I think, for a game, uh, and they were in the middle of combat, and she um, she replaced you. And like, how do you say that? Sub, 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 uh, sub, sub. She subbed for you, uh, and um, just because I didn't want to take your character and do something, uh, but it was okay that time because it was just during combat. And I told her, "You don't say anything. You don't like." Almost like don't role play, which is really like off brand for me. It's like I don't want you to spoil anything. Um, so I don't know, Matt, what's your experience of my wife being in the backdrop? I mean, I, I kind of assumed what you just said that like, and I know she's also like, she reads a lot. She, she has a very good memory, that kind of thing. Like she's a really smart person. So I, I figured if, if at the very least she was perhaps giving you inspiration for content, uh, because of her, you know, repertoire of fantasy books that she's always reading and that kind of thing. Often the way it works is I go to her and I'm like, I want it to, I want this person to like, I need, let's say I need a villain that does this, this, and this, and is linked to this storyline, but I can't seem to make it work. And then she'll just like throw ideas at me and I'll be like, no, it doesn't work because of this. Then I'll throw an idea back. So we're just brainstorming. And this is so much fun for me. And this is like the interaction I have with my wife, with my game. So I... I can sympathize with what Matt is saying. I, I know maybe you haven't had that experience, but if you game master for another game and then you you talk to Bailey about it, I think there's a lot, a lot, lot to gain. So I guess what I'll say to listeners is, let's say you're considering uh, bringing your partner into the hobby, bringing your partner to a game might not be the easiest path in. It might just be like the idea. And that's that's where she... She got her startup, if you can say. 
Yeah, I can, yeah. I, I can see that that trade off being being painful. Um, even the keeping things under wraps as as best as I can around Bailey, like it's hard not to talk about it. And I think once you've opened that floodgate and you can see that potential benefit of bringing your partner to the table, you have to, you really do have to consider it like you're going to lose out on that opportunity to always debrief and talk about the game to them. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know if there's other downsides to the partner, like to having your partner play with you that you guys have thought of. I, I'm not sure we had any other ones noted down, but I'll maybe at open forum for other thoughts before we move on. I guess the only thing I can think about is like considering the age of the relationship and how that could impact the dynamics here. Um, we thinking about trust and, you know, whether you want to be silly in front of someone for the first time or a, either side of the, the role playing end is a very vulnerable space of I'm having an idea uh, and I'm going to share it publicly. Um, and are you going to accept it? No matter what the dice say, it still is a, a vulnerable position. And if you're not in a place where you can fail forward in front of somebody, even when stakes are really low, I could see that being really stressful and then compounding like we have an audience who might think that you're going to be, you know, favor favoring me or something. You then go into the game feeling, um, you know, maybe imposter syndrome and am I going to be accepted by this core group that already exists? So at least from the partner's perspective, I could see if this is a newer relationship and you haven't had the time to kind of establish what play will look like for you and, and how it is a collaborative experience, you might actually set yourself up to get less out of it than you would have otherwise because you'd be so focused on needing to do it right um, and needing to preserve the kind of enjoyment of others. So as always, obviously conversation and uh, you know, taking the time to communicate ahead of times would help. Yeah, and actually what you're saying there, Bailey, makes me think of something and I, I'm not sure, I certainly don't think that this would be the case for me when I'm playing uh, with, with my wife, but I, if it's a new relationship and you're role-playing something, you're maybe role-playing a character who is very different from the personality that you are as a, yeah. as a person, you know, especially with new players, it can be very difficult to disassociate the character from the person. So if the character does something that would be viewed as inappropriate by the people sitting around the table, then that could have effects on, on your relationship, perhaps long-term or, or, or even in the short term. I don't know, but it's certainly something to think about, especially, you know, when you're you're role-playing dramatic moments, you're role-playing tension, you're role-playing all of that juicy stuff that you want to see on TV that you're kind of instilling into your role-playing experience. That's that's hard on, you have to have a thick skin to be able to absorb that or bounce that off of your chest or what have you. So yeah, I, I think that's definitely something you're going to want to talk about is like, for those of you listening, something in a session zero or something like that, you know, our relationship should not affect or should not be affected by the things that my character is going to say in game or do in game. Yeah. And think about the others at the table too. I mean, yeah. the trope that we always see in sitcoms that I think has a, a real life tie is being nervous to meet your partner's friends for the first time, how you're going to interact with them, especially if you know that they're really important to your partner, you want to leave a good impression. Um, and I could see if this is, you know, a foreign 
pastime for you, but it's a mainstay for everybody else. That's added pressure. <laughs> um, and so making sure everyone is on a, it allows the space to learn on all sides, I think is what's going to really help. Yeah, ab absolutely. I don't know, Rob, if that speaks to you or if you had any thoughts on that. Um, I've been trying to think of, you know, other potential downsides and I can't really think of any. And obviously, you know, this is something that I enjoy because this is our third game that we've done together that Bailey is a part of. So I think if it was Fourth something- Fourth of you count the time we played with my parents. That's true. Yes, fourth. Sorry. <laughs> um fourth time that uh we have played together where i'm the gm and she is a player and so i think if we had run into any real problems that it was it was causing i think it's something that we probably would have stopped by now but would have certainly come out with the with the in-laws that's for sure <laughs> they, they were they were super into it it was a really fun experience that's great yeah okay well so that that's it for downsides and i wonder if there's any other benefits that we wanted to touch on before we we move on to our last segment, I guess, for the show. I mean, I, I think I think there's a couple of things we can touch on, uh, maybe a little bit faster than we we know we have. And I, I think uh, in the like pre-show discussion, we talked a little bit about like having your partner there being an assistant, and I think it can be an assistant to different levels. We already talked about bring this this hype person. Uh, can can bring it up. We talked about this world immersion, maybe starting a little bit faster. Uh, but there's definitely something. I, I think Rob, you, you from what you said before, probably you don't do that that much. But like in terms of like using your your partner to give direction to a game, uh, I think especially in actual pot, uh, play podcasts, I, I've seen a lot of people doing like I assume pre-game briefing of like, okay, when that person's going to come with talk to you, please interact that way like accept this thing otherwise everything's gonna like not work like kind of like helping having a, a railroader with you a little <laughs> bit so uh I'll, I'll ask uh matt first like have you ever considered doing this or did that maybe especially at the beginning of a of a campaign probably yeah well i mean it, it certainly happened but i don't think to the extent that the listeners and you guys might interpret uh, or I, I'll, I'll say yes it's happened your brain's going to go to like a much more serious, I think, offense, if you, mm -hmm. if you want to call it that, but definitely at the beginning of the game, you know, like, like we've been alluding to, my wife isn't as much of an experienced role player. So I often found myself in situations where if I really gave her all the options, she would take any of the options, you know? So if it's the start of a campaign, I had to be a little bit more upfront with her and say, look, like, you're going to just have to follow my lead on, on, on this game, at least for the first two hours or whatnot, so that I can kind of put, this, put the train in motion for us to get this campaign started. Um, the same thing kind of happened. I, it's almost my fault for the setting that I'm using. You know, I've given you guys a boat right out of the gate. You guys can explore any of these Caribbean islands that you kind of want to explore. So I, I kind of told her, you know, right off the bat, I'm like, you know, there's going to be some breadcrumbs that I want you to follow. Like, don't, don't ignore all of my quest hooks right out the, right out of the gate. Like you might normally do, uh, because I want to try to get this, like I said, this train in motion, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, Chris. Yeah, I think, I think it does. And, uh, I, I'm tend, tempted to just move to another aspect unless Rob has something to know. Okay. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is I, the thing I think I would, I would use my wife at the table for is, being there almost to help me with this 
being a referee. You know, so sometimes I, I feel when I'm the game master and my players and I make a call and the table might. He always makes the wrong call, guys. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm so bad at this, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, let, let's say there's one player who's like, ah, I don't know if that's the right call, uh, kind of questioning it. And maybe the other ones are silent or maybe they're, some of them are even agreeing with the player. But having someone that I know is on my side, I mean, I guess it can backfire if, if she's not. Right. <laughs> but uh, I, I wonder, Rob, have you ever, or actually I'll go with Bailey, that's going to be more appropriate. Uh, I wonder, Bailey, have you ever felt like you you played that role of like kind of the, the shepherd of the table to help the game master influence like by making some calls or something like that? I absolutely do. <laughs> and then this is not something that he's ever asked me to do. Uh, and maybe it's just my like wanting to maintain the harmony of, of the group. Um, but, oh yeah, there's been moments where I've, because Rob has to see things from such a high view, or maybe he's focusing in on one character at a time, I can read what's happening even in a virtual space um, across the, the other players and sense like, motivations that people want to take their characters uh, for better or for worse that I think would uh, would impact the game and I have there have been some moments where um, you know we got to encourage everybody to just accept what the dice roll was and move on because this can be fun I could watch you spend six hero points and do this over and over and over again or we can accept that you know your sword fell out of your hands and we're going to move on and I think that that's more fun uh, and I think the playing for a year and getting people comfortable with that and maybe even in you know instilling structure in how we're going to be using hero points has helped with this um but at least early on i did feel like i was in in that role i didn't think it was a burden um because i was doing it in service of the game that's yeah that's that's really nice to know and i'm happy to hear that you kind of take on that responsibility um because I, I, i'm sure rob that must be a relief for you to have somebody on your side right yeah, um, it, it definitely helps. Uh, we do generally avoid conflict at the table. Um, I mean, it's bound to come up, and I think some of it, um, and this is probably just from the lens of how we approach, you know, our podcast. I'm trying to think of the how the cooperation works, um, and what I have told the players multiple times is like, if I wanted to win, I have the, all the tools in the toolbox. Like, I can do whatever I want and just win the game and that's not what we're doing here so if i make a call i i'm making that call for a reason because i think it is like bailey said in service of the game so that give and take that's where that cooperation is like you have to trust my call uh if you're chris it might be the wrong one apparently um <laughs> but you have to, you have to trust me and then i have to trust that just because the call didn't go your way you're still going to be able to bounce back and yes and something that comes up next and i think having a partner who is a mediator might help smooth things over from side to side. Whether or not she actually agrees with me, she might be able to see that I'm insisting on something for a reason and help the players see that where they might not be able to if I say that because they're frustrated that I made the bad call or something. I mean, a lot of this is very hypothetical. I don't notice this too much at the table, but Bailey, like you said, it might be happening when I shift over to one player and, and doing something and then there's someone saying something over there. So um, yeah, I think it's you know a good resource to have. Yeah, I mean, another another great benefit, I think, here is also, you you know, you have somebody on your side who's, who knows that you had a bad day at work, 
or who knows that maybe you're feeling really anxious about something you're about to try in your game. Um, I, I mean, my, my rule of thumb is I try to be upfront with the players that are at my table, but you know, maybe, maybe there are certain things that you want to keep to yourself or just keep to you and your partner. So I suppose one of the other benefits here is not only can this partner be a referee, but they can also kind of be this mediator for the way that you're feeling as a game master outside of the game. Um, is that, has that ever happened to the two of you or, or, to, or to you, Chris? Maybe I'll throw the question to you first, Chris. Um, it's a good question. Uh, in terms of like knowing my mental state, I think for me, it's more about, uh, she knows how I value the game or like how much work I put in something specific or so she might be less dismissive of things maybe than like, you know, sometimes as a player, you don't really know, like the game master offers a new mechanic, for instance. And you might be like, I don't think we need this or I don't think we, like, I don't like it or whatever. Well, your partner knowing that you spent six hours or plus whatever, fleshing out this thing and balancing it, like, there's a good chance to be like, well, let's try it. And we'll, <laughs> you know, so I see Bailey, like, not, not your hair, your, your head along there. So do you feel uh, like you've experienced something like that? Oh, yeah. And it's the work that goes into preparing for a session, even though, you know, Rob says he's he's notes light, but he is research heavy, I would say, in what he's doing. And I, I see that. And I see that after, you know, a day of teaching and going to grad school part-time and, and, you know, cooking for our family. So, like, I've got that insight of just everything on his plate. And so, yeah, I'm a little protective over that. And I want to make sure that we at least give it that shot to honor the, the work that went into it because I, I appreciate it. And I know that our, our table does too, but they don't have the same front row seat that I do to this. And so it allows me to make that connection for them. And Rob, if you wanna have an example of where your mental state was, last Saturday, Rob couldn't think of the word dive. It's that thing where you go into the water and you put your hands together. <laughs> That's what you do. That's where he was at the end of his week. And we still have an awesome session. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to bring it up if you didn't. Uh, our session over the weekend was a bit, bit of a disaster on my end. Um, I had a very rough week of teaching and couldn't come up with the word dive, couldn't diagram a 10-foot burst on the map. I, like, I literally couldn't do anything. And uh, luckily in that situation, I didn't need Bailey to, you know, uh, take, take charge of protecting my mental state. I was very upfront with the players that I just, I couldn't think straight and they were just going to have to deal with it. And they accepted it. We, we got a ton out of the session. It didn't go the way you thought it was going to. Not Never because does. of that, purely because of the decisions that we made. Um, and it was awesome. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, I think for me, uh, I, I, I just want to do a slight parallel to this, where uh, if we go back to Matt having your wife at the table, I often feel like I'm using your wife as a almost like a, a meter of how much how much I should care about what's happening you know like let's say and maybe that's not good but maybe I shouldn't do that but like uh when you I don't know you you set up a scene or you put something into there if I see your wife goofing around I'm like oh it's okay to goof around here but if she like becomes serious and be like okay this is the scene that I, I I've seen Matt set up 
kind of like here and there without knowing really like she probably has a little bit of insight then i'm like okay it's serious time right right now uh so i don't know if that's that's i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad yeah, thing because I, I feel like she tends to goof off um it's I, it's almost like metagaming but instead of service like of your mechanical self like of your your role playing like you are reading the room in order to metagame which role playing situation should be the most important it's very interesting yeah, yeah, that's that's funny. Uh, I'll have to tell her to be more serious all the time. Then. <laughs> well, you know the time we goofed around for an hour and fifteen with like a golden mask. Oh I my mean... god, <laughs> <laughs> that was ridiculous, and and in part was was because of this thing that I was explaining before, right? Where she tried to push my buttons to get 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 a certain outcome. Uh, it was so frustrating for me because basically there was a character with a mask stuck to their face an NPC with a mask stuck to their face. And the short and simple of it was if you take the mask off, you're going to kill this person. Like it's, it's like part of who this character is. And, you know, maybe I should have just said that, but I, I, I didn't. And I was like, you know, it looks like it's really attached. And she's like, what do, you, what do you mean? And she starts to pull it a little bit. I'm like, oh, it's starting to tear. And she's like, okay, wait, how much tear? And I'm like, oh my god and i don't know i don't want to i don't want to reenact the whole thing because it was just excruciating that could me. be our table <laughs> but it wouldn't but, be me rob it would be one of our friends who yeah. is doing this absolutely well, that's the thing right that's probably the thing where from what i've heard from you guys if you see rob like roll his eyes and be like oh come on guys that you're the person who might be like okay let's let's move it along there um yeah cool all well, right i think i think we're ready for for our end segment, something we're going to try to do at, uh, with the, when, when we have guests. So I'll actually let um, let Matt take it. All right. So to, to put you guys a little on the spot here, and, and for those of you listening, this, we're going to shift gears kind of entirely. We're going to stop talking about the partner effect and demystifying the partner effect. And rather, we're going to pose a question to Rob and Bailey. And basically, the question is, you know, what is something that you do in your creative process for role-playing games, whether it's as a game master or as a player that you're particularly fond of, you're proud of, or something that you want to share as, as insight to people listening. So it can be in your world building, it can be in your role-playing, wh whatever you want. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll start with Rob. So Rob, what's something that you're particularly proud of and fond of in your creative process? Um, it's hard to, I guess, nail it down to something specific, but um, with our experiences that we've had this year um, and getting all of our friends to the table and starting this hobby together, and uh, I, I can't really take credit for turning them into people who are, like, interested in, in roleplay, because there's definitely nothing I did that, like, convinced them to take that dive and get interested, um, and I'm not saying, like, it was my hard work that really got them to, to do any of that, but I think just the, the fun that we've been having together and that it's somewhat been my responsibility as the game master. Um, it's just, it makes me feel good that people are having fun and that when people choose to spend their weekend uh, playing at my table, that they're, they're coming back because they are continuing to have fun. Um, I think that stands out more than anything else. Um, more so than the world building, because I know they don't really care about that. That's just for me. And as we talked about for Bailey to hear me blab about. Um, so I think, you know, getting people interested into the hobby is something that I cherish. And I'm excited now that we have uh, a group of friends to do that with to see what else I can introduce into my creative process to kind of grow from there. Cool. Is there is there something that's, you know, part of that creative process that you find 
was very facilitative of having new players uh, join the table? It's, yeah, it's what we talk about on our podcast all the time, that there's just tons and tons of fun to be found in doing something together. I know when people think of board games and video games, probably the thing that stands out is competitive. When you think about video games, you, you think about, you know, all the games these days that are you're playing against a team of other people or you're playing solo and trying to be the last person standing or whatever. And I, you know, I know lots of people find that fun, but what we find fun in is working together and sharing those moments with with other people. So I think being open about that at the table and when we sat down to play, making that very clear that like, if we're going to do this, this is going to be a team effort. It's not me versus you. It's not you guys versus each other. All that, you know, if we go that direction, this probably isn't, it's not going to last. So I think, um, you know, just setting up that, that frame of mind and keeping it collaborative and cooperative has been really helpful for our table. That's, that's fantastic. And I'm happy to hear that that you know that's something that you prioritize in your games because it's certainly something that we we hold near and dear to our hearts as well. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's basically collaborative storytelling is is what you know most of this comes down to. Um, all right, so I'll I'll now pass the the microphone on to you, Bailey. What's something that you're particularly proud of or fond of in you know in in your experience as a as a player in role playing games? Yeah, well, I, I hinted at this earlier, so it does come down to recognizing that it is collaborative storytelling and that my and my character's actions can be their own outside of what maybe Rob has begun to set up. So things that I'm most proud of, uh, again, because the character that I'm playing now, uh, this spacey druid uh, fortune teller, uh, she was very different than anything I'd played before. And I, um, Though I've done a lot of you know extroverted things, I speak publicly for a living. Um, I speak publicly information that's been given to me to say the act of like actually creating something and then sharing it outwardly, like our podcast. You know, it was pretty nerve wracking. Um, so the moments where I could before a session, you know, I actually would think to myself like, I'm going to find something today something small that I can react to as Corey. And those moments often for her are when she can relate it to her understanding of the world, which is all about, you know, the cycle of life, the natural side of life, um, using very like plant-based metaphors, uh, which I'm leaning on, you know, a whole childhood with a mother with an incredibly green thumb of things I just took in through osmosis and plants that I remember from my childhood. And so any moment that I can incorporate those things and they absolutely do not, you know, are not there to steal the scene. They're not even there to be focused, but I feel like I'm anchoring in on something and I'm consistent with that. Um, and I think it, it adds to, to my experience. Um, and I've noticed it go be taken to much higher levels with our friends that we play with now and the ways that they have developed their characters over this last year. And that's been really, really exciting and rewarding for me. Awesome. Th thanks for sharing those, those thoughts, guys. And for those of you listening, I hope that that resonates with, with you as well. Great. So I think, uh, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Rob and Bailey. Um, I think we're going to do uh, like we usually do, which is a little, um, maybe a little look over of what we talked today. So uh, first we talked a little bit about a kind of a definition that would be this game master player partner. And like, I think we, it's good to say partner because as we were talking about thinking about me and my brother, Mm -hmm. And this is, it's almost like if you're familiar and 
the, 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 the bad side of this effect would be if there be favoritism. That's, so that's where we, it came down to. But then we talked a lot about our personal experiences and how it can actually be a good thing. Yeah, and, and most of the benefits that we kind of drew out of this was that this gives you somebody who knows you very well, who knows, you know, the things that you've put a lot of effort in on, the, the, the mental state that you might be in when you're running the game. And, this, you know, this person who can kind of play as this referee and sheep herder. I like, I like how you use that, Chris, that, that, you know, to really kind of <laughs> gather everybody and to, to help focus in on certain things uh, when you're playing the game. Yeah, you're definitely losing the soundboard we were talking about, but you're gaining a lot out of it. Uh, someone who actually can sympathize with your like your life and what maybe it takes for you to be a game master, and also uh, just maybe be there to help everybody have fun at the table. Someone that you know is going to be on your side. So, um, I mean, I hope if you're listening to this, I hope you've experienced the good side of it. Uh, I hope you like the episode and we're going to talk again, let the mic to Robin Bailey a little bit uh, to talk about their podcast. And you, you talked a lot about this cooperation. I think it's, it's, it's very interesting. And I think it's going to be interesting to our listeners. Yeah. Uh, again, thank you guys for having us on too. We, we don't get a lot of time to talk tabletop role-playing on our podcast. Um, we're hopefully saving some of that for the future, but um on our, on our show, we do, uh, we do talk mostly about the cooperative board games and video games that, that we do play. Um, again, under the lens of the fact that we are very different people and we have very different tastes and experiences with games. Um, and our overall goal is to really uh, kind of understand why we like what we like, but then turn that around and help everyone who's listening um, and figure out if it's something that they would like as well to kind of refine or understand your your own taste a little bit more so that uh you can continue to find things you like to play or if you're trying to get a, a friend or partner into the hobby um, and they have a specific taste that you're trying to help them find um we can help you find that as, as well and each half of that pair um because you know we we market our show for couples and we happen to be you know at cis hetero married couple but take couple in many different directions just people who like to play games together and want to be on that same team um, we try to break things down to identify like rob said what we get out of it so to draw some examples of what we recently covered you know for me something that's uh, always stands out when playing games but long before that when watching rob play games when we were in school that was actually probably the beginning of our co-op was me um experiencing it as a you know, kind of passively. So Chris, when you're talking about your wife knowing too much about the game and not being a player, that's what I was thinking about the whole time. Um, I love, you know, the game art style. Is it hyper-realistic? Is it very pixelated? Uh, and that is something that I enjoy. Rob enjoys the ability to really manipulate and grow a character. Obviously, lots of ties over to role-playing games as well. Uh, on one of our recent episodes, we covered Children of Morta, which really does have both of those experiences. So that game does, and not that we rank them, but is higher up on our list because it has elements of what we each enjoy. And so we try to close out by saying, if you're somebody who gets um, this element uh, out of your experience or your partner does, or your, your, your sibling does, this could be something that's a good fit for you. And we know that it's not always a match for the group as a pair. So we like to highlight too, does it work solo? Cause we know not everyone's gonna be a hit each time. Yeah, so, so thanks for being here, guys. For those of you listening, that's Hours Played. Go check them out wherever you listen to podcasts, right? I imagine you're on all of the major... Uh, uh, yep, 
Yeah, we are everywhere that you would get your podcasts. And if you want to follow us on any social media, we are at Hours Played on Twitter and Instagram. That's O-U-R-S-P-L-A-Y-E-D. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a fantastic show. I actually just bought uh, the big book of madness based oh, on, excellent. based on, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's technically a recommendation on the show. You, you never really recommend things, but you definitely show your enthusiasm for things. Mm-hmm. And that was something that you guys, uh, you know, illustrated was a very fun and pleasant board game to play. So I'm, I'm looking forward to diving to that. Um, so yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. And for those listening, I, I think there's definitely something for you to catch on hours plate. So go check it out. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you. <laughs> And with that, I guess we're going to close out the show. So if you guys, you know, have thoughts or questions about the partner effect, please don't hesitate to reach out to Chris and I. Uh, You can do so by contacting us on Twitter. That's at roll underscore play underscore chat. Or we have an email that's contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And that is going to be it for the partner effect. Isn't it, Chris? It is, Matt. Thank you, Robin Bailey. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for being on the show. And let's call it a chat.